I don't want to take any more time, but uh, we're so honored today uh, to have uh, the CEO of Good Catch Publishing here today um, and works very closely with the pastors, works very closely with the storytellers and works very closely with the writers. And uh, we're just so blessed. Last night we had an opportunity to hang out at my house and, and talk about today. And I, I know um, that not only because of the stories that are there, but because of this man's heart, um, that God's going to use this book to reach many people. The whole point behind this book, he, he told me up front, he said, Ben, if you just want to have a nice book on a shelf, if you just just want your people to have something to remember the church by don't do it but if you're aggressive and excited about winning the lost then this is the right way to go and so i'm excited about the message today i'm excited about the book today would you please welcome with me darren lindley as he comes and preaches the word awesome awesome thank you so much pastor pastor ben it's a such a whoa should i move to the right or the left stand up sit down fight 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 we good here? Or would you rather I go on the floor? All right, good deal. Hey, it is so great to be here. My name is Darren Lindley, and uh, I am uh, uh, the president of Good Catch Publishing, and uh, we are so thrilled with Urban Church. I tell you what, um, I have a, a team that works with me. I'll just give you a little background on our, uh, our organization. Uh, we have about 35 people on our team. My editor-in-chief was formerly on the editorial staff with Smithsonian Magazine. Uh, my uh, executive editor, uh, she taught all the writers for uh, James Dobson's ministry, Focus on the Family. And we have uh, seven project managers slash editors uh, that manage the project, edit each of the stories. Uh, and uh, then we have about 25 professional Christian writers who uh, uh, interview people like you and uh, create these custom books. And uh, uh, every one of these people is very, very passionate about seeing people come to Jesus. This is why we exist. And uh, I tell you what, I am so thrilled and so touched by this book. Now, I have a little rule. I have a, as I said, I have an excellent team, far more qualified than I, uh, to work on these books. And uh, so honestly, I don't even touch this book until I get on the airplane to come down. And I sat on the airplane, and I had tears in my eyes. I had goosebumps on my arms as I read story after story. I finished it last night in my hotel room. The last two stories were stunning, amazing, powerful stories. And uh, I thought, my goodness, what an incredibly relevant book this is. An incredibly relevant book. And uh, just, uh, I, I am an evangelist. Before I'm a book publisher, I'm an evangelist. And uh, I want to see people come to Jesus. That's my whole gig. That's why I am alive. And uh, so I started praying a number of years ago, and I started asking Jesus, Jesus, would you please give me something that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has it entered into the mind of man what God has prepared for those that love him, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit? Did you notice he's a mighty creative God? Isn't that right? And so, so I thought, you know what? We don't know how to do evangelism well. The church really is not good at it. And so I started praying and I said, Jesus, give me a miraculous idea. I want something from heaven with the thumbprints of God all over it. And then one day I was standing uh, in a church right about where you're sitting, bro. And uh, I was getting ready to speak at this church in, in a little church in Shelton, Washington. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, the bread to feed the cities in the house. And when I heard the Holy Spirit say that, I knew exactly what he meant. That for every need you have in your city, that need has already been met right here at Urban Church. Wow. Every need out there. There's a woman in this city who's had an abortion. 
And there's a woman in this church who's had an abortion, but Jesus has healed you and forgiven you and removed the shame and the curse and the pain of that desperate decision. And now your story is bread to feed that precious lady. There's a woman in this city who struggles with anorexia. There's a woman who, who, is, who is chased by it and hates herself and is eaten up with suicidal thoughts. But Jesus has healed somebody in this church from that very, very problem, that obsessive problem that held her, held her down. And Jesus has bread to feed that lady, to give her hope and bring light and life. The, the gospel is the most relevant message in the world. There's a guy sitting in prison today, facing an eternity. Nine years would feel like an eternity to, to me. As, as Marco sat in prison, he wondered if he would ever get out. I'm sorry, I'm going to use the names of the people as they are in the book. He wondered if he'd ever get out. He's sitting in this room today, folks. He's sitting in this room today, changed, transformed, made new. He's no longer pulling guns on people. He's no longer shooting at them. He's no longer hitting them over the head. Jesus has set him free and made everything new. Isn't that an amazing thought? What a beautiful Jesus we have. The Marco story is the bread that feeds the guy in prison. And I'm just here to tell you, we're going to put thousands of these in prison. We're going to put thousands of these in prison. Every single story in here, whether you struggled with pornography, whether whatever your issue was, the relevant stories of Jesus setting the captive free and bringing healing as you brave people. And let me just say this. You're brave whether your story's in the book or whether you just filled out a survey. Because you basically said, here's my life. I'm available. Whether you were actually chosen to be in the book or not is not the relevant point. You have ownership because you invested. You took the risk simply by filling out that survey. God bless you. This is not the book of seven people. This is the book of Urban. This is our book. And Jesus is going to take this thing and he's going to use it in quite an incredible way. Now, I happen to be a bit of a professional on this subject. We've done over 100 of these books now. And uh, we have been dialing this thing in for, uh, for eight years. And uh, my team is, is, uh, thinks about this obsessively. We've got many thousands and thousands of hours just into the concept of this book. Can I just tell you, I'm going to tell you just a couple of practical things about this book before I get into the, the word here. A couple of practical things. This book is this thick for a reason. That's not... Not just how long it turned out to be. It's this thick because this is not a scary book. You hear that? It's got seven stories for a reason. It's got seven stories for a reason. Because the stories need to be long enough so that you actually begin to bond with the storyteller. If it's too short, you don't care. And so it takes time to build a relationship. You probably heard me mention this in the video. It takes time and common meaningful experience to build a relationship. And so 45 minutes going through the most intimate details of a person's life produces relationship. Last night I had the distinct honor 
of getting to visit with the seven storytellers. And I got to actually visit with every single one of them last night. And it was such a powerful, powerful moment. Because as I'm standing there, they don't know me from a bale of hay. But I know them. I know them. And so there's something amazing about the seven-story size causes you to build a relationship with every single person in this uh, story. You'll notice there's no cheesy Christianese in here. Not a lot of praise the Lord's praying hands, Maranatha and hallelujah and sanctified. And, you know, we don't ever use the word prophetic in here, even though the prophetic did occur. Okay, we don't use any of that terminology because if you're not in the club, you don't get it. Isn't that right? It just sounds weird. And so we have one of our editors, she has two jobs. One is to find any potential liable. There is none in here. And the second is to find any cheesy Christianese. That's her job. She reads every book with those two things on her plate, and that's what she's looking for. And she fixes any cheesy Christianese because we want people that are like what I call religiously phobic. They're freaked out by the whole concept of religion. And they're just going, I don't do God. I don't do church. I don't do none of that stuff. I drink beer. That's what I do. You know? And uh, that's, that's, they, they just don't relate to that. We want them to pick up this book. We want them to dive in. And then, now, there's also another strategic thing about this book. The very first story is Marco's. And it's the perfect first story for this book. Because we don't even get close to Jesus, God, church, or anything for about 12 pages. That, what that does then is it produces a crisis. We've built the crisis. And Marco, poor guy, had plenty of crisis in his life. Produces the crisis. And as the crisis builds, then the, sto- the reader begins to actually intercede for the storyteller. They're literally saying, we got to get this guy out of this problem. This guy's a wreck. This guy needs to have healing. This guy needs to have his life changed. And as the, as, the, as the tension is built, then we answer the question, and his name is Jesus. Okay? So there's nothing by accident about this book. The cover design, the back cover text, even that little number right there, 1495, is not an accident. It's not on there because anybody here is going to pay it. It's because we want to establish in the mind of the person who receives this book that you just gave them 15 bucks. They pick up that book and they go, oh, thanks. Do I owe you anything? I've had that said to me countless times. Do I owe you anything? And they don't throw it away because they can't bring themselves to throw away $15. And they can't bring themselves to throw away a book because their librarian in the second grade said, never throw away a book. There's always somebody else who can read it. Isn't that right? So I want to just tell you the what here, right up front here. The what is simply this book. But let me tell you the most powerful thing of all. The scripture says this. Do you mind if I come down here? If I come down here, is it going to mess everybody up? You all okay? So I'll move around a lot. So if I do happen to like, because I see this lady right here. She's like, going, if I go over here, it's going to, no, <laughs> just kidding. But anyway, but there's a, there's a scripture. It says this in Revelation 12, chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. We quote it like this. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. But we're actually kind of misquoting it because when we say they overcame, we assume that that means like trials or hardships or struggles. That's not what they overcame. What they overcame in verse 10 says, 
they overcame the accuser of the brethren. We didn't just overcome hard times. We overcome the devil. We overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. That's sweet. That is crazy cool. So if you're wondering why there might have been a bit of spiritual warfare going on, could be we got a full frontal attack going on the enemy right now with this book. Because we are now taking the stick that he beat you with. The stick that he beat you with. And we're taking that exact same stick. And we're coming back and we are beating the devil with the very stick that he beat you with. I'll tell you what, you guys, uh, Jesus is going to do some amazing things. The what is simply this, the testimony. Not just generic testimony, urban church's testimony. There's a focal point to this book, seven stories. And you know what that focal point is? It's urban church and Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ at urban church. Everybody needs two things. They need Jesus and they need a church. And that's why... This book is custom. This is why I don't do generic. This is why we go and we want to create a custom book for every single church in the United States. It's a life-giving church, and we want to get a home in every single a book in every single home uh, in the United States that is directly related to a local church that that person could attend. That's the vision of Good Catch Publishing. And Jesus is gracing us to this. Favors come, and I'll tell you, we got favor on steroids. Uh, I, I love, I love uh, Ben Rose. He, he goes, one word. Two syllables, favor. <laughs> he said that to me several times. And then I said to him, one word, two syllables, pizza. So, <laughs> he's a funny guy. <laughs> so the what is very simply your testimony. It's that, it's that simple. Now I want to get into the scripture. And I want to, I want to go into a little bit of, of the how. And, uh, and uh, the how is 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 kind of amazing. How do you do this? I started praying and I started asking Jesus, Jesus, how can we reach the lost? And I said, Jesus, I want to make it easy. What does a tool do? A tool makes it easier to do a job than without the tool. How many of you know you can build a house with hand tools? You could probably actually build some sort of shelter without any tool whatsoever. Be really hard. Yeah. You know, and be very, very primitive. But you probably could build some sort of shelter mm-hmm. without any tools whatsoever. Breaking sticks and yanking fir boughs if you're in the Northwest, you know, <laughs> do something like that. But it'd be very difficult. You introduce a tool, even a simple tool, that makes the job much, 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 much easier. Mm-hmm. Then you introduce power tools, and it gets really, really easier. And so my home was built in 2001. They framed my house in two weeks, completely from top to bottom, sheeted the roof. Everything was all set in two weeks. Why? Because they had a very distinct process, and they had power tools, right? Very nice home, beautiful home. And they framed it in two weeks. Amazing what a tool will do. The scripture says in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says that God gave these gifts to the church. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to do something. And that is to equip the saints. To equip, by definition, means that we're supplying tools. So I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, Jesus, I want a really cool tool. I'm a tool freak, to be honest with you. 
I love tools. I think tools speak of potential. And, uh, and I love tools. So I said, Jesus, we need an amazing tool that will powerfully convey the gospel. Bam. This is the tool. Now let me show you how you use this tool. It's really pretty tricky. That's not too hard, is it? It's all on the wrist, really. You want to be an amazing evangelist? Get that one down. Yesterday, I, I met uh, uh, Brandon and, and Melissa for breakfast and walked into this mission restaurant, sitting there on the table. I brought a book in with me, and I just set it down on the coffee table there. And then I got up and walked away. I just did probably between 50 and 75 hours of personal evangelism when I set that book on the coffee table. Do you understand, you guys? It doesn't have to be brave to be powerful. It doesn't have to be bold to be powerful. This is a tool that eliminates, frankly, the need for your bravery. Because honestly, your bravery has frequently been more of a hindrance than a help. Not, not trying to be mean or anything. Thank you, thank you for trying. I tried too. But let me show you what happens when, uh, when we try to do evangelism. Imagine that Pastor Ben here is a perfect infidel. Your wife is asking your mother to make sure you're in church on Mother's Day. <laughs> Just saying. So, so, uh, so he, he, this guy didn't know God from Belahay. So I come up to him and I say, bro, I want to I ask you a question. Where are you going to spend eternity? Now, he knows exactly where I'm going right now, doesn't he? Yeah. Bam! Now, there's, a, there's a, a, a couple of roles we've got here. The first is that I am positioning myself as the expert. And he has to submit as the novice to the expert. How many of you like to submit to other people? <laughs> Do you like to? I don't. I don't like to submit, but I, when I come into this thing, I'm the knowledgeable guy, he's the not knowledgeable guy, and so I'm going to talk to him about spiritual things, and the very definition of that experience right there is he has to submit to me, and frankly, he doesn't want to. He might really want Jesus. He doesn't want to submit to me. He didn't like my beard. So that is a struggle right there. But when I just drop this book, on the coffee table at the mission, and some guy goes, oh, weird. Stories from San Diego. Interesting. I love San Diego. Oh, this is interesting. Whoa, dude, that's intense. And they start reading. Didn't have to submit to anybody, did they? It was their own free will. It was the act of their own free choice. This is the how we're on right now. They just, they just simply start picking up, and they're reading of their own free will. They're doing it because they want to. Totally changes the game. Have you ever noticed that when you try to move into something like this, these conversations tend to be very short? Subject gets changed. People avoid it. They just have suddenly got an appointment they got to get to. Isn't that right? These conversations tend to be very, very short. But you want to know what? These books will cause people to think about Urban and Jesus for five hours. Can you think of any other way to get people to think about Urban and Jesus for five hours? Not just about a building, not just about a logo, not just about a nice poster, 
but substantive stuff, the real most essential things that Jesus is doing through urban, changing lives. Five hours. This is the how. This is the how. And you guys, Jesus is going to do this so easy. Let me give you a couple little techniques on how, how you do this. When the first one is what I call reverse shoplifting. It's a little difficult down here because it's a little warm, but you're going to have to get yourself a little oversized coat. And uh, take the coat, put a book inside pocket, okay? You walk into uh, Walmart or wherever, and uh, you go over to the book rack. And uh, you start perusing the books. And then you stealthily pull this gorgeous book out of your pocket, and you start to decide whether or not you want to buy it. And then you decide, nah, I don't think so. And you put it in position number one on the bestseller. Because, come on, get real, okay? It's what it is. Then you simply walk away, okay? This is for the adrenaline junkies in the crowd, okay? So then, so then a person comes up, and they're like scoping out this rack, and they're going, right on, whoa. That's an interesting looking book. San Diego, far out. I think I'll buy this. They take it up to the front and they start scanning it. (laughs) And for some reason, this ISBN is not producing anything for the poor teller. So she just has to go back to the old days and types in 1495, sells the guy the book. Walmart is blessed and the gospel is preached. (laughs) What's not to love about that? Another technique that I happen to like is I call it the Siberian drop. Again, you need the oversized coat. You put the book in your jacket, and uh, uh, you walk into McDonald's. You go into the restroom. You close the door, lock it behind you, the stall, and uh, you unzip your coat. People are totally comfortable with the sound of zippers in bathrooms. You pull the book out of the inner pocket, set it on the toilet paper dispenser, flush the toilet to make things convincing, and uh, zip up the jacket and walk out. That book will get read, I guarantee it. See, it's not about bravery. It's so absolutely simple. Uh, My home church is uh, a resound church in Portland, Oregon. And uh, we took uh, a bunch of these books and we went down to the Mac station in Portland, Oregon. And uh, handed up books up. People were eating them up. A couple Sundays later, three Sundays later, I was uh, at my home church, and this lady who did not know me, did not know that I was associated with the book, she just came up to me and started chatting. She goes, I love that book. She goes, I, she had no idea that I was associated with this book, and uh, the Rosanna book. And, uh, and she says, I was at the Mac station the other day, and these guys gave me a book, and I started looking at it, and I thought, cool. And so she thought, you know what, I know some people need to read this book. And so she went back to the table, she got five more. And she gave them out that day. By the end of the day, she gave out all five of those books. The next Sunday, she came to Resound. And that Sunday, I believe she received Jesus as her personal Savior. She then got five more books. She took those books and went back out and gave them out in the city. The third Sunday, I was there. I met her. And she was there to get five more books. This lady had not even yet attended Resound and was working on behalf of the kingdom and on behalf of Resound. We literally, in uh, Raymond, Washington, we literally had uh, two different, one attorney and a real estate person, send checks to the church. And they said, we think 
We need more books like this in our community, and we want to help you guys get more books like this out in your community. These people did not attend the church, but they wanted to support this work. So the how is quite incredible. But now I want to get down to the why. I want to get down to the why. I want you to imagine with me the fear in Katie's heart. As she was literally fearing for her life, as a guy that she's hooked up with is threatening to kill her. And she's driven so badly by the addiction that she literally tried to reach him again and get some more drugs. You guys, that's a bondage. That is bondage. She's anorexic. She's driven. She's eaten up by the pain and shame and guilt of her abortion. Until one day, Jesus began to work. She's sitting on the couch, just wanting to be alone, depressed, comforting herself with alcohol, and just getting through another day. Bored to tears with a lame job. And she's not doing meth right now, but she's not hardly any more functional than if she was. And God brings a guy into her life and he leads her to Jesus. And I tell you what, today, you guys, many of you are sitting here because that moment happened. I want to open up the scripture right now. I want you to turn with me there. It's a powerful, beautiful scripture. And uh, it's in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Matthew 13, 44 says this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had, and he bought that field. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Now I want to ask you, what's the word kingdom mean? The word kingdom is made up of two words. It's king's dominion. It's the place where the king rules, the place the king has dominion over, Right? And so, where is this kingdom? It says, the scripture says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. In Luke chapter 17, verse 21, it says this, don't say that the kingdom of heaven is here, and don't say that the kingdom of heaven is there, for the kingdom of heaven is within you. Can I tell you, not what, but who the kingdom of heaven is? It's all y'all. You are the kingdom of heaven. But sadly, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that's been buried in the field. Gilbert struggled, struggled with a a profound sense of rejection. One day, fixing dinner for his family, they literally walked in the door And they took the dinner that he had prepared and dumped it in the garbage and accused him of wasting money. I don't know about you, but that would kind of hurt. You would feel like, wow, what do I do? Over and over, the rejection came until finally Jesus began to work in his life. It began to heal him and set him free from that pain of that. You know what? Gilbert was buried in rejection. He was buried in it. 
literally suicidal. Poor Clarissa, 12 years old, hardcore anorexic, commit, er, attempting suicide at least nine times that I counted in the book. I mean, real live attempts. At 12 years old, buried in this incredible abyss of pain. You guys, Clarissa was buried in the field. She was buried in that field. But one day the scripture says that Jesus came to earth. And he started looking through the field, didn't he? He started trying to find Marco. He started trying to find Michelle. Michelle, an amazingly brilliant, sharp, attractive, together woman. Brown University, graduated from Harvard. Big league, buried. Buried in a marriage that's coming apart at the seams. Buried in depression. Buried in the pain of her sister's tragic loss of her husband or her fiance. Five days, I believe it was, five days before they were married, he dies of an asthma attack. Buried in pain and struggle and sorrow and depression and frustration. The person who ought to have been able to climb out of that hole herself couldn't get out of the hole. Jesus came and he looked through the field and he found this treasure in the field and he said, I love you. Katie, I love Michelle, I love Clarissa. A little Mormon girl, her family blown up, all of the pristine ideals of Mormonism seemed to explode right in her face. Family that forever, but this family wasn't forever as their home was rocked by an affair. And she could not imagine that her life was ever going to be good. A father enraged, chasing her, beating her, cursing her, trying out different spiritual experiences and religions, hoping that maybe this is the one that works. Until finally, Jesus comes. He comes into this field and he finds this lady buried in the field. And then the Bible says this, that he went, he hit it again, and he went, and he bought that field. You know why he did? For the joy that was set before him. For the joy that was set before him. For the joy set before him, bro. You were why he bought that field. And he went, and he bought that field. The scripture says that he who knew no sin became sin. Now let's get a hold of what Jesus paid to buy the field. He knew no sin. How long did Jesus not know sin? Eternity passed, right? Never knew it. Can, can you imagine how cool it would be to never ever be second guessing yourself? Never ever be wondering whether you're all right or not? And then one day, Jesus says, you know what? I'm forsaking that. And the scripture says, he who knew no sin Bam, became sin. 
for us, took all of our sin, but not just the people in this room, but 1 John 2, 2 says that he's the atoning sacrifice for our sins, but not only our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. He took that upon himself. And that's what he paid for that field with. He went and he bought that field. He paid the ultimate price. A lot of people say, they, they get the scripture, I think, exactly backwards. And they say, well, you know, we got to sell out. We got to give everything we got. Can I just tell you what? I never gave up anything for Jesus. The only things that I gave up would degrade a dumpster. I didn't give up anything. Jesus gave up everything. He left heaven. He died on the cross. He paid the price. And he says, now I own you. May I have you. I bought the field. I own you. I bought the whole earth. I bought the field. I paid for your pain, Michelle. I paid for your pain, Clarissa. I paid for your pain, Josiah, I believe it is. I paid for your pain, Marco. I paid for your pain, Gilbert. I paid for your pain, Katie. I paid. And he bought that field. Now he comes back and he says, I own you. May I have you? I own you, Katie. May I have you, Jesus says. And you said, yes. Clarissa, I own you. May I have you? And you said, yes. I'm spacing out on your name, hon. But he says, I own you. May I have you? And you said, yes. Each one of you in this room, not just in the book, have said, yes, you may have me. And then he says, oh, my treasure. I love my treasure. I love my treasure. He digs it out of the dirt. He cleans it, removes the cracks and the dents. This is so blows me away, Katie, because I can't even picture this. You know what I'm saying? I don't even get it. No more. I, I'm going to say something really shocking. No more meth bugs. I mean, I know that's like almost crude to say that, but such a thing, such a different world. He mends the vessel. He removes the dents. He brings it back to its burnished, lovely quality, better than new. Now, what do you do with a treasure? I'll tell you what you do with a treasure. You treasure it, duh. But how do you really treasure something? How do you really treasure something? You don't just treasure it by sticking it in a showcase and locking it up. I guarantee you there's some trophy cases around this place. And the trophies, I guarantee you, are dusty. And nobody ever looks at them as they walk by. Once in a blue moon, somebody might be bored and look at them. But nobody gives a rip about the trophies that are in the cases in this building. Nobody. Not even the people who won them. He doesn't stick you in a trophy case. He takes you and he fills you up with his unfailing love and he pours you out. And he says, look at this beautiful vessel. And he fills it up and he pours it out and he says, wow. Trinika, can I just tell you something? You precious treasure. He filled you up and he poured you out and he filled you up and he poured you out and he filled you up and he poured you out so many times in this process. Thank you for letting him treasure you.
Because being a treasure is not just about being admired. Being a treasure is about letting God participate in our lives and allowing us to participate in his life. You guys, let me give you the why. Let me give you the why. The what is the testimony. The how, it's all on the wrist. (laughs) But the why, the why is Katie. The why is Marco. The why is Gilbert. The why is Clarissa. The why is Michelle. The why is Josiah. That's the why. And can I just tell you something? There's a whole bunch more. Josiah's and Katie's and Michelle's and Clarissa's and Gilbert's and Marco's in this city. Still buried. He owns the field now. But he's saying, go into all the world and find my treasures. Find the treasures that I've already bought. Find the treasures I've already paid for. And let me change their life. Can I just say something? This is my very first time at Urban Church, but I know this place. I know what it's about. I read your book. And you guys, Jesus wants to use Urban Church to change San Diego and the world. And so it's time to fish or cut bait. We've done everything we can. We've produced. I've read the book. I'm an expert on the subject. It's a perfect book. There is not one typo in that book. There isn't one. There hasn't been one in any of ours for the last 75 books that we've done either. (laughs) Just saying. Our publishing company kicks tail. So, but now to equip you, we've got a tool. It's very usable. It's very powerful, extremely readable. It's an excellent book that you can easily give and use but we got to get some of those books here. The books do cost money. They don't cost $14.95, but they cost money. So our, our goal is this. We want to help you become evangelists. Not just once. This is not an event. We don't want you to just get five books and go, yay, I gave away five books, and that's the end of the story. Because Jesus didn't call us to do this once. He calls us to do it for the rest of our lives. And so we want to make it very simple. We want to give you a little mental reminder that once a month, a little portion of books is going to come in. And at least once a month, I'm going to give away at least once a bo- one book. At least one book. Pastor Ben said that he, he would like to see 3,000 books given out this year. That is extremely doable. That's 250 books a month. That's an extremely doable rate. That requires 50 people to sponsor five books a month. If 50 people sponsor five books a month, then you'll have 250 books a month. That's 3,000 over the course of the year. It's very, very, very doable. And so this is how it works. We've got these cards, and if you'll take your program and pull it out, would you mind just doing that with me real quick? Because we're going to do this right now, and uh, um, we want get to get this taken care of. And I really want to encourage you, just, just, it's just a good time to make a decision and just do this right now. So pull out this card, and I want to go through this card with you really quick. The what is your testimony. The how, it's in the wrist. The why is people, exactly like the people you're reading about in this book. You guys, it's not okay. It's not okay for Marco to stay in a prison cell. It's not okay 
for, for Clarissa to be buried in anorexia. It's not okay for Michelle to be crushed with depression. It's not okay. It's time to see the Josiahs set free from their, their struggles with pornography and their shame and the pain of, of, of broken up families and the pain that they've gone through. It's time to bring healing. So here's how we do this. I'm going to cut to the chase here. There's on the left side, there's a monthly sponsorship. That's what we really want to encourage you to do. Let me give you the rationale here. I want to equip you so that over the next 18 months, you will every month be involved in evangelism because every Christian, this is part of the Christian life. Jesus says, go into the world and be, and do this thing. Now, if you, anybody in here can give up a Starbucks once or twice a month and sponsor one book. $7.50 a month. That's all it takes. If you want to do five books a month, they're $6 a piece then, $30 a month. Okay? If you want to do 10 books a month, and some of you need to do that. Some of you, in order to hit this goal of 3,000, some of you will need to do 10 books a month. Uh, The books are only $5 a piece for $50 a month. 25 books a month is only $4 a piece or $100 a month. So it's very, very doable. Some of you, 100 bucks a month is no big whoop, and you can do that easily. Others of you, one book is a challenge, but you need to step out in faith and do it. There is a time to step out in faith and take a little risk. And so uh, I want to encourage you, do the monthly sponsorship. Now, here's what you need to know. Any time you need to cancel, you will send me an email and say, I need to cancel, and we will cancel your uh, sponsorship. Do you hear that? You're not on the hook. You can cancel at any time. That's right. You can cancel at any time. It's very important for you to know that. Okay? So name all across the top, email address. The email address is very important because we're going to send you once a month a little inspirational, motivational video. We're going to tell you stories of what God's doing, and we're just going to kind of remind you so that you don't have to remember to remind them every single month. We're going to send a little video. It's just going to remind, hey, you guys got a book. It's really cool. You can use it. You know, it's very simple, about three minute long video. And then give us your phone number in case we can't read your handwriting. (laughs) Decide how many books you want to sponsor. You can use either a paper check a credit card, or a debit card. Just fill in the numbers right here. This is all very secure. We'll, I will keep this in my possession. I'm very, very careful with this. And then we will enter it into our uh, program. Once that happens, the, these things go into a safe, and they're protected and stored away. We do have to keep your signature on file in case we get audited by the credit card company, and we get audited once in a while, and that's perfectly great. And so, uh, so you can use your credit card, debit card, AMX, anything like that. Put the security number right here, just so you know. AMX has four digits on their, on their security code. Everybody else has three. Then also, um, up on the top right-hand corner, right over here, it says day of the month. So say you want to uh, have your funds taken out on the 15th or the 25th or the 7th, whatever day of the month you want the funds taken out, just put that number in. That's the day that they will come out. Then also... Um, um, uh, I think that's about it. Just fill this card out. And we'd like you to fill this card out right now. We're going to have the uh, ushers come, and they're going to receive these cards in a few minutes. And, uh, and then we're going to uh, have those cards available. Now, let me just say one last thing, explain how this works. So today is March 4th. You fill out this card. You want your funds taken out on the 15th. So we'll take the funds out on the 15th. Then on March 31st, we will run a report. 
and that report will show us all of the transactions that are cleared. That will produce our print list. We will then print those books, and we will ship them on the 15th of April, okay? <coughs> now, that means you don't have any books for six weeks. So if you sponsor, if you become a monthly sponsor, we're going to give you the books at a very discounted rate today, okay? If you don't sponsor any books, the price is going to be higher. If you're not a book sponsor, you don't get the bulk discount because you're going to be buying lots of books over the next month, so I'm going to give you a much better deal. If you're not a monthly sponsor, the price is quite a bit higher. So when you go back to the table, they're going to be asking you, are you a monthly sponsor or no? And uh, if you're not a monthly sponsor, then you'll buy off the non-sponsor price list, which is more expensive. If you are a monthly sponsor, you get the discount rate there. One last thing. Some of you are sitting here and you're saying, I am totally going to sponsor a book. I am but I can't do it at this second. Here's what I want you to do. Would you put that sign up there that I ask you to make now? Text your email address to that phone number right there. Text your email address. That's 971-226-4836. That is my phone. And then we will contact you, and we will help you. Can take, we can take your credit card over the phone. We'll send you an email first. If you don't respond to the email, we'll give you a phone call. And if you want... Uh, us to, you can't do it today, but you do want to sponsor. And if you send in your text, then you get the discounted rate out there at the table. We've got 200 books with us, so you might want to get out there right away if you're interested. I've got people there to help us. And, uh, but right now, let's fill this out. Make sure you sign it and date it. That's very important. And that's just some of the practical stuff. I want to just pray for you right now. Father, I thank you for Urban Church. I thank you for the faith of these storytellers. I thank you for the work that you're doing here, the salvation and the transformation that you're bringing in the lives of people. And Father, I thank you that this is a church that's worth inviting people to. And I pray, Father, that right now that you would cause faith to rise in our soul and that we would get serious about reaching San Diego. We love you, Jesus. We believe in you. Amen.